to From A to Zigzag, a podcast featuring creative practices in Southeast Asia. Join me, Nadia Wang, as I speak to guests about the foundations of the illustrious careers and the decisions and happenstance that have shaped them. For today's episode, I'm pleased to be speaking with John Law, Managing Director of Wonder Fruit, an annual arts and music festival in Thailand. So, hi, John. Hi, Nadia. How are you? I'm good. Thank you so much for doing this. And let's start at point A. Uh, could you speak about your education in school and how that planted the seeds for your creative practice? Sure. Um, so I started my undergrad uh, in Syracuse University, which is based in upstate New York. Um, graduated with a BA in economics and uh, was in the liberal arts school in, in, a, in a time where I, I certainly didn't know what I was doing. Um, I also have, uh, I also am an alumni of Harvard Business School via the GMP program. And I guess, you know, when you're talking about the creative seeds and how things plant and, you know, the, the state of evolving from uh, studies to the work environment, um, you know, I, I think school supplies a steady foundation, so to speak. And there are intangible benefits that I think uh, work out from, from the school experience. But, you know, I really believe that um, there's nothing better to replace than getting your hands dirty with, with, with live work-related experiences. But I think those two hand-in-hand go a lot towards shaping, you know, a lot of perspective and, and, and thinking of uh, how to get things done, but also, you know, where things are going in the future as well. Okay, and speaking of getting your hands dirty, could you talk about like early internships or, you know, odd jobs that you took um, that kind of, yeah, shaped your career as well? Cool. Um, So early in my days, I worked in advertising and creative branding for Ogilvy & Mather uh, in New York. Um, And it taught me a few things. I think working in a 2000 person plus agency there's a lot on the process and structure and things are very compartmentalized. So, you know, there's account teams, creative teams, planning, media, project management. Um, but ultimately there is uh, this level of detail, especially from the creative side that I think I learned over time. You know, uh, in the agency days, it took about uh, one month to create a single email. I mean, you know, for us, today to create an email, it's, it takes maybe about a day, right? But if you look back in terms of the process and the thinking that's involved, everything was looked after from the proportion to the scale, to the messaging, to the call to action, to the alignment towards style and the de- design. It's pretty intense, <laughs> uh, but it taught me for eye for breaking things down, especially um, at a micro level. Um, and then the other thing, you know, early days that I was finding was was the ability to take super complex products and make it really simple. I worked uh, on the IBM business and they would send 40 to 50 pages of briefs about the server, for example. And my role at the time was to sum up everything into one sentence, um, one value prop, right? And, you know, from this one sentence, then I was able to effectively communicate this and work with designers and copywriters that actually objectively uh, build something out of this. And I would look through all these pages and all this time was being spent to sum up everything. And over time, I, you know, it was really frustrating, really difficult to do in the beginning. But over time, you're able to 
then take these complex situations and simplify it. And eventually I actually won an award for doing exactly that. <laughs> um, what, what was that? Is it, it, was, it was called the pillar of the universe, which they uh, give to four to five people every year in the agency. And it was awarded for creative brief writing, <laughs> which is essentially extrapolating all that information and making that into one line. Um, at the time, I didn't really know that that was uh, a skill I needed. It was just something I was doing, you know? But now looking back at it, being able to simplify things, both from a message standpoint, from a design standpoint, and making it easy to understand is actually a real big, invaluable moment and skill that I've actually had to use day in, day in, day in and day out of what I do today. Yeah. So how did you make the move to Thailand? And then, you know, you had your own ventures, right? Like Sandbox Global, then yeah. Asiola. Could you talk about the move? Yeah. So I always... Um, you know, I was actually uh, working out of Singapore, to be honest. Uh, you know, Ogilvy made them move me uh, from New York, and I was working and strategizing on the IBM account. Um, but I always wanted to be an entrepreneur. I just didn't know how to do it or how to start. Um, and I was really good friends with one of the uh, directors or the managing director of the media company at Ogilvy, um, and later became my future partner and co-founder. Um, and we were always interested about gaming, particularly during that time. Uh, iOS or apps were taking off. Facebook gaming was booming back then. Um, and he came to me with an idea and I had no clue about how to do it or what to do or about the game industry. We just knew that actually we were passionate about starting something. Um, so we decided to quit our jobs, take zero salary for a very long time uh, and just make it happen. And, you know, we probably made every mistake in the book. Um, there was super highs and super lows during this time period, uh, but we eventually became one of the largest uh, game studios in Thailand and was acquired. And uh, the company went IPO actually in the SGX uh, a couple of years later. Um, with Aziola, um, or Aziola, it kind of goes Bayes, Vaz, either way. Um, you know, we started that in 2014. And I actually, during that time period, um, I had a few businesses already underneath my belt. Sandbox being one of them, also uh, started a, a restaurant and a sneaker business as well. A lot of passion projects, you know, so to speak. And I partnered with uh, some of my favorite people today, Pete and Montan, which are actually the founders of Wonder Food as well. Um, Khan from Titanium, which is a rap group. Chris, who uh, is a, a, a star coder and programmer. And Sanjay, who is um, a music exec, a prominent music exec in Scandinavia. Um, and what we did with that company was uh, essentially we wanted to fund ideas that couldn't get funded. Um, creative ideas, art, ideas by artists, musicians, um, chefs, restaurants, entrepreneurs. We wanted to give the ability back to the community, so to speak, but by linking things through crowdfunding. And during that time, Kickstarter was kind of big, Indiegogo and whatnot, but it hasn't come to Asia yet. So we found that kind of unique niche, I guess, so to speak, towards 
helping people get the funding? Because a lot of the time you think about ideas, you don't know how to get the money to drive the ideas. Mm -hmm. And we felt there was initial need for a platform to be able to support ideas, but ideas that are actually impact related driven. So we did some pretty cool things like we turned the BTS SkyTrain into an art gallery. We saved multiple historic libraries. We funded multiple artist albums. We're now actually pretty successful within the industry. Um, the venture was a real good feel good play, I would say. You know, it, it was one of these things that paired creativity with impact and then matched that with the financial side. And that was always kind of like, we saw the missing component towards what people were needed or, or, or wanted out of a project. Yeah, that sounds all really exciting. Could you talk a bit more about yeah. how you're, you were involved in like the day-to-day -day operations? Like sure. what were you in charge of? With Aziola. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was a CEO. Um, and I think as the lead for the business, you get involved with everything, right? So it's everything from the UX of the web to how we communicate and brand towards how the finances run and you know how we deal with operations. Uh, to me, it's about uh, being available and being supportive to the teams and the people under you. And you act almost, it's almost, it's funny because you, it's almost the other way around. You, you should be working for them and you should be supporting the core which drives the business. If you don't have a really good team, you'll never make a really good product. And if you don't have a really good product, you'll never make money anyways, right? So, um, you know, starting with the team is uh, really, really important, I would say, to, towards building anything. Um, and, you know, being a lead within any business, I think it's important, especially as a startup, to wear multiple hats. You have to know a little bit of everything, almost like a generalist a little bit, right? Um, but yeah, it's always, it's always fun doing these things, you know, like you, it, it, it's always uh, uh, a place to learn and grow. And, you know, you go through many different ups and downs throughout the period. Yeah. So then what planted the seeds for Wonderfruit in 2015? Yeah. So basically, um, it's interesting because my uh, partner Pete at that time with Aziola, uh, you know, had this idea of a festival, right? Um, and to me, I was, I've never been into festivals. You know, I, when I imagine festivals, I think of loud music, and I, which at that time was perfectly fine for me. I was single and it was cool. But like, I think of long queues and packed, you know, environments. Um, you know, it, it just wasn't my cup of tea. Um, but when I sat down with Pete and kind of understood his vision, it was a very genuine conversation because it was actually nothing I've heard of before. Um, he was thinking about things and particularly this thing called Wonderfruit as not a festival, but actually a sustainability platform. And, you know, when you hear the word festival, you immediately jump, oh, it's a music festival. And you wouldn't be wrong. Like it, there is music is a core component. But actually wrapped beneath this concept is sustainability at its heart. And it's pushing impact related narrative and messages. But the only way that you can get people to kind of rethink their way of thinking is to wrap it around things that maybe you consider fun. 
And this is where the Wonder Food model comes into play because it becomes this mix between hedonistic activity on one side and sustainability on the other side. And we sit like directly in the middle. And from there, um, it was a no sellout approach, meaning we're going to do what we feel is right and what we feel is genuine and never chase trends or chase money or chase anything like that. And we're going to experiment and we're going to use, utilize this platform as a responsibility to work with really good people and produce really good ideas. And at the core of this, this is something that has stayed true from day one and has evolved into this, you know, giant movement, so to speak, of a festival. And I, and I, I do believe has in, influenced and inspired a lot along the process. Mm. Well, thank you for explaining that. I think, <laughs> yeah, there are all these ideas that people have about Wonderfruit, but, yeah. you know, to just kind of focus it on how it's a sustainability platform. That's yeah. really interesting to, to hear about. And I'm, I'm thinking that also the festival doesn't just happen for the days it happens, right? I mean, it sounds as if like it's kind of ongoing. I mean, there are all Entirely. these initiatives. Entirely. So like, if you look at with the way we look at Wonderfruit, it's basically almost like an incubator for creative ideas. Mm. You know, we work with musicians, artists, chefs, architects, wellness practitioners, workshop practitioners, family guys. Um, and we throw out crazy, wacky, quirky, weird things out there. And we see if it catches. Okay. And you know, that some things catch and do really well and some things just fail horribly. But for us, it's about trying and doing it and seeing it come to life. And by doing that, then within the five days, which is wonderful, which is 24 hours, and you know, 24 hours across four nights, five days, that actually gives us some sort of validation towards doing other things. So if it works at Wonderfruit, we have it, you know, from a business standpoint, we have an audience there that we know, and things are linked digitally through RFIDs and stuff like that. So we can track behavior a bit. But we start to understand audience behavior, but how things relate towards the experiences that we provide. And this allows us to then do other cool stuff after this. So we launched a food festival called Fruitful. You know, we do other things on the consultant side with partners. We may throw a wellness festival. And, but it's all stemming from the fact of what we do and the ideas that we produce at Wonderfruit. And it all comes out of this, almost like this, as you mentioned, the seed, but then it's planted in multiple ways and all these different plants come out of it. It is wonder fruit, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so what, what did the pandemic mean for, for wonder fruit? And you know, what, what are the ideas, I guess, then that you have for wonder fruit 2022, since there seems to be such like a long incubation period from the pandemic? Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's a good question. Um, the, I mean, the pandemic, uh, was really a tough time. I mean, as, as, as you know, to, to a lot of businesses, but especially ones that are um, in events, right? So our whole model uh, was based on events and Wonderfood is a core event, so to speak, and initiative that we take on. Now, uh, imagine one day you hear that events cannot happen. So naturally for us, it was like a, oh no moment of what are we going to do? But instead of using that as a, um, I mean, 
we're not gonna drown in our sorrows and feel bad for us. Like for us, it was actually used as an opportunity to branch out. So we early looked towards pivoting the model and evolving. And whether that meant prioritizing digital content and doing experiences online towards actually we opened up a consultancy arm that all our sponsors and partners, we did campaigns with like from everyone from Porsche actually in Singapore, portion in Singapore towards uh, Nespresso. And, you know, for us, and, and, you know, we launched a, actually just recently a Web3 company called Hypothesis, which we're gonna do uh, an NFT collection drop in the next coming months. Um, but I think during those times of like fight or flight allows you to uh, get creative, right? And I think when you're kind of back in the corner and you said like, okay, this is what's the cards on the table. Are you either gonna make it or you're not? And I think that's where a lot of growth happens. And for us, it meant trying and experimenting and working with people that were in our network and doing cool things, events or not. And now I think, you know, businesses that were able to persevere during these times are able to actually add probably an added skill set or an added arm towards what they're doing because you know, we can say like, oh, we survived COVID, right? And I think coming out of this, not just Wonderfruit, but businesses in general will be able to, you know, grow in many different ways. And I think this perseverance or this resilience, so to speak, um, allows you to uh, expand even better. So, yeah. So I, I think the main thing was about that, is that in those times, you know, as hard as it was, is to look at it as an opportunity and how do you grow from that and how do you do things and, and, and evolve as both an individual and a business. Yeah. So if we think about Wonderful 2022 and you know the team that's working with you to make it happen and your yeah. collaborators as well, I mean, what do you have in store? I mean, there's a lot. <laughs> there's a lot. We <laughs> can't necessarily share it all because it's, it's, it's coming out soon. Um, but the, the full scale of um, Wonder Fruit and what we do will return to 2019 levels, um, you know, and that means activating all our 40 plus venues and experiences on site. You know, um, we work with so many different uh, individuals and businesses and partners and collaborators through the festival time period. We start with a team of 30. We, by festival end, we're a team of thousands, right? And this is everything from establishing the 700 plus artists that we work with, the 900 musicians that we work with, you know, the 300 wellness practitioners, the 500 chefs, like the numbers are staggering. And that's because we have so many different activities planned for every single minute within a 24 hour range. There's always 10 or 12 things that you're going to miss at Wonderfruit, including family activities. And we got to get you over there for family activities. Um, but, you know, for this year, we're just excited to get back, right? I, I, I think it's really important uh, to get some wins under our belt. And having Wonderfruit there, um, we believe um, and we hope draws inspiration for many, especially in the creative industry and for doing and uh, 
embodying doing new things. And maybe we'll talk about that a little later, but I think it's, it's really important for uh, 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 the industry, not just us as Wonderfruit, but events and people that are doing immersive experiences or you know, uh, entertainment or in, in, as, as a general. Like, I think being able to get back to it is, is really important. We're just super excited to do that. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Okay, I'm there this year. <laughs> yes, please. Um, I, I'm just wondering, you know, what do you obviously enjoy all the work that you do? Um, but I wanted to ask, like, what do you enjoy the most about your work? And what is something you're doing now that you would rather outsource? <laughs> um, you know, um, I tell, it's funny because we have a lot of new staff um, that has joined us recently. And they've all been to Wonderfood as attendees, um, but they've never worked for a festival. And working for a festival, it's, it's crazy. It's probably like you take your hardest time working in any type of career. And I say times that by five, right? Um, it's, it's, it's chaotic, it's, it's significant, it's excessive. But one of the greatest things that happens is that when the festival starts and you see people that are happy and you see everything come to life, all the blood, sweat, and tears that have been worked on for you know, seven to nine months of the year intensely, when you see that moment happen, it all makes sense. It all kind of comes together to the point where you say, okay, I get it now, I get it. And we have this one point um, at Wonderfruit on Sunday where we all meet as a team and we just sit there and cry together. And, and it's not like, it, 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 it's happy tears, of course, but it's also um, one of these, uh, you know, moments that it's very in, indescribable. And I think that's from a, a event work perspective, that's something that you keep chasing. And that's something that I love about doing what we do because it allows us to just bring joy, but also just going from something to nuts. It's nothing to something. And that whole process along the way is, is just indescribable. Um, going on to your second part of the question uh, about uh, what would you outsource? Um, it's interesting because, you know, you kind of always think about if I were to be a clone, like where, where I put my skill sets or whatnot. I also think like just, just to people out there, never outsource something that you can't do yourself. I think that's a, that's a very core rule. Um, it sounds a little uh, uh, counterintuitive, but like, you know, I, I really think that's really important. Anyways, um, I would probably outsource like the finance side. <laughs> I mean, I, I actually do like numbers and it's interesting to always pair what our creative experiences are towards actually analytical support, but from a CFO related perspective, I'd probably outsource some spreadsheets. It would save me some time. Got it. Yeah. I think the advice you gave is really spot on. Um, good one. Yeah. And I'm just wondering, I mean, going back, to, I guess, to what you just said about wanting to outsource, you know, the spreadsheet part of things, yeah, how do you yeah, yeah, balance yeah. the creative and practical aspects of running Wonderfruit? Um, I think it's an ongoing balance. Uh, it's always an ongoing balance. And I think if 
you know, you, you always want to try that equilibrium of what makes sense versus what you want to do versus what makes sense. Um, you know, uh, I think um, from a business standpoint, uh, we always apply what we do creatively against what we believe in. So what our ethos is. And uh, we take that uh, and trickle that down into everything we do. And it's this whole thought of like never selling out and allowing that creative experiences that drive and are the catalyst for impact as the driving force. And I think it's really important to never deviate from that. And you know, whatever the company mission is or the North Star or what you believe in, should be really intrinsic towards how uh, things are not only just strategized, but things are operate across the company. Um, but how do you manage that balance? Like, I don't know, like time management, you know, we, we, you know, I think it's really important to also pick your own battles. So like prioritizing your day and your month and, you know, like high level stuff of communicating at the right time is, is always super, super important. Yeah. And I mean, this is one question that I think people are always asking now, you know, how do you pay attention to both the digital and the analog, the digital and the physical? Right. Because, like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I think this is a great question because um, I, I see a lot of people kind of going on the thought that it's either one or the other. Right. And I think uh, both are necessary in today's world. And maybe not to view it as it's a replacement or either or, like choose A, choose B, right? I think digital, especially in our lives, uh, should act, and if it's done correctly, should complement the analog. I don't think the analog will ever go away, and I don't think it will only just be digital. Like, I think it's, it's a mix of both. And for us, um, particularly at what we're doing, uh, you know, in building that into Wonderfruit actually is a core thing we're doing this year. You know, um, and we talked a little bit about what we're doing in Wonderfruit, but, you know, eventually in the future, we see Wonderfruit as a platform um, becoming this mixed media approach. We're already doing things in real life, right? IRL, physical experiences, right? How can the digital complement that? And how can new technology be able to facilitate and make the physical experiences better and also vice versa, right? So I, I, I do think that we should all be around thinking about how things are complement instead of how things like contradict, so to speak. Yeah, that's a good answer. And I'm just wondering, you know, you're, you've experimented with so much yeah. um, and you were saying like with Wonderfruit, you know, some things take off and some things are like horrible yeah. to quote yeah. you. Um, so I'm just wondering through your career, what has been a costly mistake? It can be financial, it can be something yeah. else and how it has changed the way you're doing things. Yeah. Uh, okay, I can give you a couple of examples. Uh, I, I'll come back to that, what you just said, the, the wonderful one. Um, I mean, it, it's pretty, like when you do startups, especially financially, it's, it's, it's a roller coaster. I remember there was one time where uh, in the gaming company with Sandbox, um, we were struggling to pay payroll, right? And the only way to do it was to sell our watches. <laughs> you know, I, I, you, you kind of have to do whatever it takes. 
Um, when I did the restaurant though, I, I, I found that um, one of the costly mistakes was that if you invest in something, you should be fully involved with it. Um, uh, unless you're a silent investor and you, you, you don't mind others operating, but if you're part of the business and you're, you're, you're putting money down, you should live and breathe it. And you know, I, I made a little bit of a mistake going into F and B and 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 thinking that you know this could be uh, a side passion project, which it was at that point. So I'm not there's no hard feelings here. Um, but I I you know I think one of the the biggest lessons is to be able to um, you know invest and put your time because time is the most important thing for you and to prioritize and and, and I, I i think that's one of the mistakes that we made earlier yeah i mean you know it's part of the journey right of an entrepreneur um yeah. there will be good times bad times and you mentioned as well there are the highs and then there are the lows and you know you you say this thing about prioritizing quite a bit and i'm just wondering also how do you strike a balance between work life and home life that feels comfortable for you <laughs> yeah uh, ask my wife. <laughs> well, usually women get asked this question and I thought we need to ask the men as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, it's great. It's great, it's great. Um, I mean, for me, family always comes first, right? So I, I mean, I love what I do. I love work. I love, I don't even consider, I think work has maybe a negative connotation. I just love what we do. Um, uh, but, you know, at the end of the day, I have a newborn and my wife and, you know, you have to always prioritize where, where, where that sits and family to me is the first thing. Um, but what does that mean? You know, we just had a newborn, uh, 14 months old uh, daughter and um, what I, you know, originally before that life, um, I would work pretty late nights in the office, right? And we'd eat dinner quite late. But nowadays what I do um, is it's about shifting, I think, habits and routines. Um, so uh, I go to the office uh, super early and I end early. So I'm able to uh, put my baby to sleep every night. And when my baby's asleep and wife's happy and we finish dinner, then I get back on the laptop for a little bit. Um, but I think it's just about managing things. And I think, it's important uh, to communicate as well. So with my, with my wife and family that they know that I'm on this schedule and I stick to it. And I think that structure helps bring a lot of clarity uh, towards that balance. Yeah, I hear you. Communication <laughs> and consistency. It really uh, is important. Yeah. So. I mean, out of like all the things that you're doing, um, you know, yeah. how do you stay inspired? Could you maybe share a source of inspiration that has been particularly uplifting recently, like a podcast, sure. an Instagram account, a book? Well, I love your podcast. So I think uh, uh, that's definitely a source of inspiration. Um, but also, uh, you know, we, we, we've been into um, mindfulness quite a lot around the office and, you know, uh, personal well-being, so to speak. And there's a book that I read by, uh, it's called Anth uh, Awareness by Anthony DeMello. Um, and it's a really introspective and it's very casual, easy read, um, but it's uh, very introspective towards how we view things and you know the, the human mindset between wants and desires versus 
uh, ego and fears. And I think it's always, uh, you know, these types of things, I think, especially from a, a, a self growth perspective or things that I'm always, you know, really interested in. And, and this book is, is quite amazing, actually. I, I, I would recommend everyone to, to, to give it a read. I'll be sure to check it out. Yeah. And I see now what you mean, like, you know, what you're passionate about and what you do at work. Yeah. It's the same, they feed it, each other. It is, like, I, I think this whole thought about like work, life, I, 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 the balance of it. I, I, I do think when you really love what you do, it's, it, it's blended. Actually, it's just life, <laughs> to be honest. It's and just you know, we, we, this life that we call, you know, we spend hours doing some cool things in the office. And, you know, like, I, 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 I think that's really important. Um, and I think it's really, really important uh, towards finding that. And you don't always just find it. It just doesn't come out of nowhere, right? Like, it's something that's evolved and grown and realized over time. And some people are still finding it, which is entirely okay as well. For sure. Um, we're at the last question. Okay, cool. Okay. <laughs> Looking back at your creative journey oh, so no. far, <laughs> how have the zigzags led you to where you are today? And what do you look forward to achieving in the years to come? Yeah, so I think every story is entirely different, right? Um, and I'm really fortunate uh, to have taken this journey through many different businesses and people that I've worked with. Um, but I, I, I think it's always kind of interesting to hear because you, you always hear about the success stories and the things that um, people did right. But I really feel that growth and your creative journey comes out of the things you did wrong. Um, and I feel that the mistakes, the fears, the things that you know were at your lowest were the times where you feel growth come out of it and you learn something and you may not know what the best to do, but you may not know, but you certainly know what not to do, right? And um, you know, if I were to look at that zigzag, so to speak, as, as you mentioned, I think those, those moments are, are, are the defining moments that help shape you towards what's happening in the future. And I would never take away that for anything. Actually, I would rather keep the bad moments if I had to choose between the bad and good moments to, because it actually shapes you as an individual and it shapes you on the way you're thinking. It puts perspective in ways to grow in, in, in new ways and new learning and new achievements, whatever it is. Um, and I'm just looking forward to like, you know, basically the, I think the second part of the question was, yeah, looking forward to the years to come. I, I think there's, 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 uh, certainly a lot more and it's not anything that I predict or project. And I think you always put, uh, certain kind of time parameters of in three years, where do I want to be or five years or 10. And every single time I've ever, ever done that has been inherently incorrect or, or always in the wrong direction. So um, my approach to the future now is to take it day by day, step by step, and to enjoy the process, good or bad. And actually bad is something that should be used as, as something that's really good. 
Um, but I'm looking forward to, to whatever comes my way. Okay, thank you so much, John. I yeah. enjoyed our conversation. No, um, learned a lot about Wonder Fruit as well as your career. And, you know, I think your perspective is really refreshing as well about the goods and bads of your entrepreneurial journey. So thank you so much. No, anytime. I, I, love, I love what you're doing. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to From A to Zigzag. If you'd like to listen to more episodes of From A to Zigzag, do subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram at From A to Zigzag. Till the next episode, bye.